Hello and welcome to the 84 Million Podcast. Tonight we have as our guest, Mr. Indigo Nakamoto. He's a regular participant in various spaces where he aggressively promotes Litecoin among those outside of the typical Litecoin echo chambers. Uh, I'll call him the master of bounties uh, for Litecoin, and we'll discuss some of that today. And he recently joined the Litecoin Foundation to expand crowdfunding in and for Litecoin even further through Lite.space. Uh, Indigo has a background in event management, marketing, business operations, and a personal interest in economics. Indigo is a proponent of Nakamotoism and is responsible for NK Mag or the Nakamoto Magazine. So Indigo, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Kyle. It's a pleasure to be here. Glad to have you. And I don't want to take it for granted uh, that our listeners all know who you are or um, that everyone is aware of your work. Um, so beyond the introduction I kind of gave you just a moment ago, can you tell us a little bit about you and what your inroad was into Litecoin? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, my journey began in the space back in 2013 um, when I first heard about Bitcoin. Initially, I was skeptical, like everyone else, because of the price volatility and controversies like the Silk Road. Um, but, you know, I couldn't get past that stuff and I couldn't see the fundamentals behind it. My perspective, though, changed when I went to a developer boot camp uh, in around like mid 2017. I learned a lot. Uh, I learned that a lot of other students were passionate about Bitcoin, Ethereum and Litecoin. So I really had to dive into it then. I wanted to dive into it then. It's like these guys are really smart and they're not they're not most of them. I don't think we're gamblers or um, criminals on Silk Road. So they they really did help legitimize it for me. Um, and got me thinking about it. So I started to watch every Andreas Antonopoulos video there was. Uh, I read his book on the Internet of Money and I read Charlie Lee's articles on Medium. And I think Charlie Lee's articles are what really sold me on it. Uh, there was an analogy in there uh, that he states that Litecoin is the silver to Bitcoin's gold. And I've heard the similar saying like Bitcoin is like digital gold. So, you know, that that struck me because um, I had a personal experience uh, as a child where my grandmother, uh, she gave me a silver dollar and she tried to explain to me that the coins value could appreciate over time. Um, and unfortunately, though, I sold it. I, I, I spent it. And um, on her next visit, she asked me about it. And I remember her telling me again, you know, that that coin could be worth more in the future. Uh, and that memory struck me because it's one of the few memories I have of her. Uh, and so, you know, th that analogy and that memory kind of was like, okay, there, I think that there's something here, you know, with the silver to Bitcoin's gold. Um, diving into the research of Litecoin, how similar it is to Bitcoin. Um, and it makes, it made, so, it made a lot of sense to me. So, yeah, I describe myself as an Akimotoist. It's a term I derive from metalist. Um, a metalist is someone who just advocates for the use of metal as money. Uh, so I'm basically someone who supports Nakamoto and money, uh, specifically Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Dogecoin. And um, yeah, that's that's about me in a nutshell. Uh, I, what else could I say though? I think I could say um, I've always been interested in technology, um, artificial intelligence, 
uh, way back before ChatGPT, uh, actually, and also self-driving cars. Um, actually, that was one of the first industries I really tried to get into. Hmm. I really like to think about how technology can shape our future. And so, yeah, yeah, that's me. Good deal. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, I think it's neat that you had someone in your family actually teaching you at a young age about sound money. I feel like most of us haven't, even though my gra grandfather, for example, had even my father and mother when they were children still had a silver standard, right? Up until 1964. And uh, yet I don't think they really followed the path of devaluation. Um, and maybe that's because their money was pretty good. And then it was just very slyly made less good over the years, especially Bretton Woods, et cetera, in the early 1970s. But anyway, I digress. I, great intro. Um, the only other little question I'll have, and it may, might be helpful uh, to maybe some others listening, why Indigo? Does it mean anything? No, I, I wouldn't put much behind it. I just like the color. Uh, was, uh, the color, my first car was a Lexus IS300, and the color was Indigo Blue Pearl. So it has the same engine as a Supra. So Supra cycle hopefully will be in full effect again with this. But um, yeah, no, it, it really is just the color and I like the color blue. It's one of my favorite colors. Okay, fair enough. I had to ask you, you've, you've heard it here, friends. Uh, Indigo Nakamoto based on automotive interests. Uh, we didn't know, but yeah, our other guest, uh, Vlad Costea, he was on here and you, you referred to the Supra cycle. So if anybody is interested in the Supra cycle, you can check out that episode here or follow Vlad on his own channel. Well, Indigo, really big news lately. Um, and I know those of us on X are already aware of it. I want to say you went into spaces recently and, and maybe shared a little bit about it with Grant uh, and that community. But uh, the major announcement is uh, that you partnered up or you're volunteering in a new way with the Litecoin Foundation and you created what's called light.space. It's a web URL. Um, I'm personally excited about this. I know I applauded you privately for that. Um, tell us what light.space is and about your inspiration um, in building it. Sure. Um, so in a nutshell, light.space is a crowdfunding platform and hub for all open source Litecoin projects. It helps bring together contributors of those projects, maintainers, uh, and supporters. And my inspiration uh, is actually from the Bitcoin community. They have always said that uh, whatever Bitcoin will just take the best of everything else that's being developed. But that actually also still applies to Litecoin. And one reason why, like I ported Ornals onto Litecoin. Uh, or created the bounty, excuse me, to port Ornals to Litecoin. Uh, but also to create Light.Space, a lot of it was from the community and the support from the community. After that initial port of Ornals to Litecoin, um, you know, there was a, obviously it took off on Bitcoin and a lot of people were really interested in doing it on Litecoin as well. But a lot of the tools weren't developed or uh, there were some pieces that were missing that needed to be added. So the first one after that was uh, mempool.space. Uh, and that was actually brought up to me because we needed that to be able to port the other two, uh, to, to port a wallet over, which was Unisat, which is now Lightscribe. Um, also, yeah, mempool.space is now light, litecoinspace.org. I just, I know, but, and then also for open or decks. 
So uh, Lightscribe is basically a wallet that allows for coin control. Um, and that's how you're able to manage your, your ordinals on Litecoin. And people were having a huge problem trying to use it with Core, trying to do coin control themselves. It was pretty messy uh, trying to work through Core or any other type of software uh, prior to that. So um, yeah, that was one big part of it. And then the other one was um, Open or Dex. Did we finish that? I know that there was a S-C-A-U-R dot, I think it was a New Zealand domain at one yeah. point. James, um, mm -hmm. he did port it over. It is open source and is available for people to use, but uh, and it was online for a while. Okay, so that but one's not really online never, currently. Yeah. Is that right? I'm sorry. That one's not online currently. Is it still being bountied or? Yeah. So the bounty was complete. He successfully okay. ported it, and he did run the the exchange for a while okay uh it got picked up by another community uh ltc labs i believe they're called oh, uh, cool. sorry yeah but, Litecoin labs, um, yeah that's what yeah, they, they they picked it up and they provided a lot more support to get it running um but it just even open or for bitcoin it never really took off it's all the other exchanges that are really uh taken off i think yeah, so it's it's there. I'm still speaking to James, try to get it back up. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the code's available, uh, freely available for anyone to use. Yeah, that's excellent. I, I did um, kind of explore that in the earlier days of Ordinals. And after that was recently launched, then I saw it kind of, and I was following it to a degree, uh, the development on X as much of the conversations were kind of published there in comments and things, but I didn't know what was happening with that. And things move so fast, I, I, I can't keep track of them. So that's why I get to have you kind of tell me a few things about what's going on. And I know we had Luke right on and uh, he's with Litecoin Labs and just there's so much happening. So again, that's why I appreciate talks with folks like Luke and you sitting down tonight and um, it's it's terrific. Um, in terms of light.space, um, how has it changed kind of the bountying system? I don't think we really had a bounty system before, not anything formal at least. I think it was all pretty informal. Mm -hmm. All my previous ones have been informal where I just post a tweet on X. And I believe that Litecoin Foundation as well has done it through their the Litecoin talk uh, where they've created bounties. But with Space, it does help create this central hub for all these bounties specifically or projects, um, not bounties, but yeah, bounties and projects that support Litecoin mm -hmm. and the ecosystem. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a central hub and it allows, the great thing about it, you know, is it allows, it connects the supporters to the contributors. Yeah. Um, and the goal though is to help, you know, to create a virtuous cycle of development, support and growth. Uh, just kind of like what we saw with uh, that ordinals, we saw like a it didn't, to a pretty good degree, like seven million transactions, inscriptions on Litecoin. Wow. wow. Um, that that kind of kickstarted that first bounty, kickstarted all the other bounties, and that's kind of what I mean by virtuous cycle. It's just this positive feedback loop. And that's kind of uh, crazy. So the, Can I interrupt you here? Yeah. Just with ordinals. Yeah, no, just with ordinals. Um, 
that you bounty how did that even come up did you just say hey we need we need this on litecoin who's with me let's start a bounty or did you have conversations with other folks how did that even how did that develop sure yeah um i first heard about ornals mid-january and i what's it i instantly knew like i was interested in it i heard that is like this thing that would serialize every satoshi was kind of vague in the beginning um that you can describe data, but once they said that, you know, it implemented is using Segway and Taproot, I instantly knew it could be ported over to Litecoin. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Sorry. The dog's um, good. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you could do better. Everyone uh, meet Nakamoto's no. uh, dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's great. Um, so yeah, Ornals, uh, how, how that got started. Yeah, I just heard it in a space and then I was just really intrigued by it. I knew it could be done on Litecoin immediately. Um, and I January, it's like mid-January. So the second I heard about it, I immediately forked it. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna give it give it my hand, see if I could port it. Mm -hmm. Now how hard can it be? Like run and Bitcoin are very similar. Yeah. Um, but I don't know Rust. And so I was way out of my excuse me, my, my depth with that. I tried to recruit um, some of the core maintainers over there. Uh, they declined respectfully, but they were supportive of trying to help me do it. And, um, you know, I realized though that I need to have someone who is really experienced do this. And so I just created the bounty and a lot of other, you know, people within the Litecoin community helped support it. Um, and so I, we were very fortunate with Anthony. He ported it uh to litecoin and he's a great guy he's um he's spent he's been very generous with his time and helping get people set up with running a litecoin core node and continuing to uh support ornals but um yeah mid-january and then i think i posted the bounty february it was like february 7th i posted it and a week later he had it done wow um yeah that's quick. That's yeah, terrific. So. I mean, that's a gigantic kind of um, port, fork, whatever. I'm going to borrow your language. You know, uh, sure. you know, adding ordinals to to Litecoin is a big deal. And, and we we, in the words of Luke, he knew that if Bitcoin could do it, Litecoin could do it a lot better. And uh, you know, it's 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 very inexpensive um, to create ordinals on Litecoin. And I know that there's some debate. I wasn't sure about it even in the beginning. I know David Burkett, the MWeb uh, creator, wasn't too, and I think he's still not too fond of them. Um, he realizes, you know, we're all different, but he's still personally, I think, kind of holding on against them. Um, it's just sure, interesting to are. see all these evolutions. Um, and, and these are some pretty big developments in Litecoin. And you really, I, I know you're a humble guy, um, I think that's a good attribute. We all try to be. Well, maybe we don't all do, but <laughs> I try to be. I and, try. And, and others around the space, you know, let's let's do our best to just, you know, get the job done and move forward. But I'm going to shout out that really we wouldn't have them if it wasn't the discussions you were having and the things you really push, pushed forward. And interestingly, if you actually do look through, um, just for those listening or watching, um, if you do kind of go through your Ordinals Explorer and find the first inscription was the MWeb or the Mimblewimble paper, I believe. And I think number yeah. two is the image you're seeing on the screen of uh, Indigo's <laughs> icon, which is pretty crazy. There's millions of them and you have the second one. 
Yeah. Pretty cool. I, I didn't know what else to do, but um, that first inscription. Pretty cool artifact. Luke, thank you. No, Mimblewimble is obviously a huge part of Litecoin and a very part of it, big part of it. Um, you know, it was added with Taproot uh, over a year and a half ago, something like that. And it was, um, yeah, Anthony offered, say, hey, you wanted to do the first inscription, but I felt like he want, should have had that honor. And so I let him do it. But I, we discussed what should be the first inscription, and we both decided that the Mimblewimble white paper made a lot of sense. Uh, and so it, it, it is kind of like the counterbalance to ordinals in a way. You know, ordinals are non-fungible tokens, whereas Mimblewimble allows are fungible transactions. And so it, it, it felt appropriate to have that as the first inscription. Yeah, that is crazy and that's interesting. And I'll, I'll rabbit trail slightly because this was brought up in previous episodes, one with David on episode one and the past, I don't know, a handful of them, um, is what happens if we take an inscription, send it into MWeb with coin control and then peg out? Does it wipe it? Is it preserved? Did somebody else get it? Um, I did a X sort of test and I'll post the thread in the show notes where you can kind of see my screenshots the whole way through. So long story short is I, I use coin control. I sent a specific ordinal into MWeb um, and then I did pull out successfully with coin control pulling out. So if I'm not coin controlling, I have no idea. And I may have been the first one to peg out. And if someone else may have pegged out before me, they might have gotten it. I don't know. All I know is my ordinal lived and I don't want to continue to test it because Shan's like, oh, put it in again and I'll pull out first. <laughs> and I'm like, Shan, you can do that. But uh, my ordinal lived and I don't want to lose it. So I'm going to keep my hands on that and just say my test was complete. But it might not be a, a full test um, because perhaps if, yeah. if it would have been in there longer, if Shan had tried to pull out, for example, maybe he would have got it. I don't know, but they're pretty durable. I wasn't sure with MWeb if ordinals would be durable, and it seems that they are. Um, again, I, speak... I think I remember. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, I, I think I remember David Briquette mentioning that you know it, it's over time that you see those privacy uh, benefits with Mimblewimple. You know, you don't want to peg in and out almost immediately. Uh, that's interesting, though, that you're able to get it back out. True, but the, um, the render, in, so. yeah, the render. So, and again, and I'll, I'll refer to the link in the show notes, I'll put it, because it was really fascinating what was happening. I, I, you could see my home address where I kept that single ordinal. Uh, and, you, and you can see on the explorers when you type in whatever inscription, it, it shows you wherever, whichever address is holding it, right? And while I yep. didn't move it in MWeb, every few minutes it kept changing. Now, Grant had a idea that maybe that was the, peg out address every few minutes. Um, I might not be using the best language on this, but there was something weird where my address kept changing it or the Explorer was revealing an address that I did not own every few minutes. So I thought I had lost it. Yet when I coin controlled out of it, I still had it. So something was strange with the way MWeb was functioning with producing an LTC address, um, which was, again, I had thought I had lost it. I'm like, okay, it's gone. But then I did pull out and it was, it was successful. So it's weird. Um, had I left it in for another, again, longer, let's say a week, maybe I wouldn't have been able to pull it out. But the point is yeah. the data on the Latoshi or the cluster 
was preserved because we weren't sure what, and David even wasn't oh. sure if that would be kind of scrubbed or separated if it went into MWeb. It seems like it was preserved even when I pulled out. So okay, it's interesting. Yeah, no. So my understanding is that when you pay in, it goes to an anyone can spend address. You know, this is not a change on Litecoin itself, right? Mm -hmm. That's always been there. Um, so through the Ornal Explorer, you should still be able to see it associated with that Litoshi. Um, you'll just see it within that big pool of all the other Litecoin that there are within Mimblewimble that have been pegged into Mimblewimble. Okay. Um, I do find it surprising though that you were able to peg out, but I my understanding of how Mimblewimble, and to get that Litoshi with that inscription on it again, um, but yeah, I think that's interesting. I probably, I, I bet if you were to have left that in there long enough, you would not have gone that same light yeah. back out. So it is a risk if we send it into to MWeb. Um, my my, yeah, my ordinal it. lived, <laughs> but uh, be careful. Anytime you're using ordinals, unless you just don't care about any of them and you've given up on the idea of having these uh, unique inscriptions on your Litoshis, um, always use coin control. And that's not always easy, but it can be done. Um, I know Stack Wallet has a great freeze auto freeze feature with with um, ordinals for Litecoin, and I know um, I was actually sending that ordinal I think from my Core wallet. Anyway, I have several in Core because before I did Stack, I just said, "Hey, I've, I'm going to use Core, but I don't have the whole Rust Lang plugin, so I'm like, hopefully this doesn't mess with anything because I'm not up to that either. Um, I just don't understand it, so I didn't want to break my node." by putting something on it and have to learn some entire new, you know, code set or whatever to function within that. So mine's, you know, kind of out of the box node Litecoin core. And it was able to successfully hold and uh, send my ordinals. So uh, again, coin control is, is really the key on that. So Lightscribe, is that a, you mentioned it earlier, is that a digital, I'm oh, sorry, a web wallet or do they have mobile? Yeah, it's a web wallet. It's a extension for Chrome and it's, uh, I don't know the intricacies of it behind the scenes. Fair enough. But um, yeah, it's basically that. It's a, it's a web wallet. Okay. Does it realize the ordinal like you can see it as well, which is nice. The core, you don't see anything. Yeah. You just have to know it was sent to whatever address so it realized it renders yeah. this, renders the image cool very cool well i'm going to get back to light.space although we're always open to rabbit trailing here uh it's the dance of of two folks talking and we get to kind of see where it goes uh, but i would say that again you had these bounties on litecoin you really were organizing most of them and the community did really come together for them um and this is going to improve that uh, I would say dramatically. Again, you released it in a time where there's kind of still some stressors of the political environment, the economic environment, and everything, and maybe there's not an ideal time to launch it. But I think it's inevitable that Light Dot Space is really going to help kind of move things ahead. Um, so I'd say uh, Litecoin crowdfunding. We're in a new era, and that's that's pretty cool. And again, I got to give you credit for arranging that and going to the foundation and setting up this page, and it's awesome. Um, we already, this might be repeating ourselves here, but can you review some of your successful bounties and what are the bounties that you're currently excited about? 
Yeah, so I have, we've done four successful bounties. The first one was to port Ornals uh, to Litecoin, Ornals Lite. Uh, the second one was to port mempool.space, which is now litecoinspace.org. Uh, the third one was Unisat, which is now Litescribe. And the fourth one was Open Ord Dex, uh, to, which was for a while ornalslite.market, but I'm actually still, as I mentioned, speaking to James about getting that back up, um, as well as uh, Litecoin Labs. And so, um, what am I excited about? I'm actually more excited about what the community is considering and what they think uh, should be ported over uh, or what bounties they are interested in. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is actually, uh, I'm a little embarrassed by this oversight on my end, mm -hmm. but yeah, light.space doesn't have a proper way for people to create a bounty. Um, but, you know, it's coming. You, I think at this yeah, it's coming. No, I'm actually going to, I'm working on it. Yeah. And if you're interested in creating a bounty, I would just use the apply or what was it? Uh, da, da, da. Oh man, I can't remember right now. No worries. Uh, it's, it's brand one new. Second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, but yeah, to list, just list your uh, project on late.space. I think that that would be a great place right now if you want to create a bounty. Um, but no, I'm going to start working on that with the holidays and everything. After I, we have a good framework for for this, and yeah, I'm really excited about how the potential uh, behind uh, what this can do for the for the Litecoin ecosystem. I think so too. I think it's great. Now, I imagine only Litecoin projects will be listed on Light.Space because I know that you've done some things with uh, Doge. Uh, I want to say the mempool might be coming over to Doge soon. That's one of your yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that one is, yeah, this one is going to be specifically for Litecoin. Um, but I do want to do and set this, this is kind of, we're still working out the kinks for this mm -hmm. and um, building, you know, we've got the initial framework, a solid base for, for this platform. Uh, but I do imagine porting this over the Space website to do the same thing for Dogecoin. Um, at least that's my own personal interest, be it with the Litecoin Foundation or not. This is something I think I'm going to be doing regardless. Um, and so, yeah, there's that bounty for Dogecoin. Uh, and that one actually is at a little bit of a snag. The developer, uh, he is, um, well, actually, we're waiting for some Dogecoin core updates to be able to enable it. Uh, but he pretty much has it done at this point. So I'm actually really looking forward to being able to complete that bounty and provide that uh, information to the Dogecoin community as well. So I would say the best way to follow that or bounties outside of Litecoin that Indigo is involved with um, would be to follow him on X at Indigo underscore Nakamoto um, in the absence of any other platform he may set up in the future. But yeah. this is where it all started. Specifically, Yeah, I mean, it was all on X and... But now that, that's what I said. We're in a new era for Litecoin because we have a centralized page, which the foundation, which is going to lay things out, explain things. I understand you're still building it out, but it's terrific. Yeah, thank you. Um, if you're interested in supporting that as well, it's under my highlights uh, and you can find that bounty there. Okay. So on light.space, can, um, can anyone set up a campaign? Yes. Uh, anyone can set up a campaign or they could have their project listed on light.space. Um, the project 
should be either open source uh, or uh, provide educational value to you know the users of Litecoin. Um, and the goal, the issue, like the obvious oversight, is creating a bounty. Um, yeah, I plan for anyone to be able to create a bounty as well uh, for Litecoin. If I wanted to support a project that I am not integrally related to, in other words, I'm just a fan of X, whatever, X, Y, or Z, um, but I want to support that entity and have them develop something and incentivize them to work for Litecoin if they've, I imagine, suggested they, they do something along those lines. I don't have to be a part of the development team of whatever project it is for me to set something up to get that work done. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, um, exactly. So if you see something, a project uh, that you would like to have ported over to Litecoin, um, ideally, it, well, not ideally, it could, well, I'm kind of torn. Like, it'd be cool to have the actual contributor uh, mm -hmm. of the Bitcoin, uh, let's say if it was for Bitcoin, to right. port it itself over to Litecoin. But on the other end, it's good that they don't. Uh, because it also provides code review uh, for a lot of these projects. Um, that's one big thing with open source or any type of software development is getting people to review your code, uh, incentivizing people to review your code. And I think that this and Litecoin and porting codes from Bitcoin to Litecoin provide that as well. Um, just another pair of eyes to to review and make sure that you know the code is good, solid, um, and that there isn't any type of issues that could come from it. Good deal. H how does the grant system work? Briefly, whatever you can tell us. Yeah. I don't know how much you can tell us about that. Sure, but yeah. I, I know where I read it on yeah, the language. Like, yeah, no, um, sorry. Uh, but yeah, we have two types of grants. Uh, we have the general grants and the long-term support grant. Uh, so the general grant is if you're a project maintainer and uh, or yeah, if you have a project and um, you are, and it's for Litecoin, um, you know, you could have your website listed and shown on our website and also receive some money from us, from the Litecoin Council, who manages it, uh, the general grant fund. Um, and so that's available. And then the long-term support would be mostly for people who are, um, either doing some research, like I would say David Burkett into Mimblewimble, core contributors, anything that could be really critical to Litecoin, uh, that would be, or yeah, that could be something um, for them. So we have those two types of grants, uh, two types of grants, yeah. Good good deal. And I'm checking my uh, the 84 million website. Yes, I did add a link over to the FAQs so uh, it does say, how can I support Litecoin development? So I do have some information here that does link to light.space too. So I wanted to make sure definitely my platform uh, links over to what you're doing and what you've set up because it's, it's very important for the Litecoin ecosystem, uh, this new resource. Um, so anybody can give, anybody can basically set something up. Obviously there has to be serious delivery and, and development for things to actually you know, pan out and flesh out, but you've already have a pretty good track record of bringing the community together with the community finding you to kind of orchestrate these things. Um, so that's awesome. Um, how did um, the foundation welcome your proposal to kind of get this started and, and work kind of under, under their umbrella? 
Yeah, they were very open to it. Um, I initially um, pitched the idea to Loshan, um, and he passed it on to uh, David Schwartz, and David Schwartz and I started to talk, um, and we kind of fleshed it out a little bit about what it is, what it would do, uh, and we basically went from there. You know, I've uh, I showed them the con well opensats.org, which is basically what we ported light.space from. And the, obviously they knew about the bounties that I've done. Uh, so yeah, they were very welcoming to it and very supportive of it. So yeah, I'm very grateful that they took it on to provide, you know, the ability for one, you know, the legitimacy of Litecoin, the Litecoin Foundation, uh, what they've done for Litecoin. Um, yeah, they were uh, very supportive of it, and you know, I'm very fortunate and happy that they uh, they that they've enabled me to run with this project. So yeah, I'm very happy. Good, 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 good. So I'll um, again remind everyone of the URL. It's light dot space. Is there any way anyone could help you kind of flesh this out? Is there any kind of volunteer positions you're aware of, or? Right now, I would say if there's anything that you see that you want uh, on Litecoin that is not on Litecoin, um, throw it in, uh, apply, have that app, create an application for that project. Um, there's a lot of things out there. Pretty much every single project after Ordinals was from other people within the community saying, "Hey, this is you know this is really cool. We need it," um, and so. You guys are my eyes and ears out there for what's going on. Uh, and yeah, that I would say would be one of the biggest things that could be help that, that would be very beneficial and helpful. Okay. Um, also, yeah, review the content. Uh, this is something I still need to do, uh, create a better content management system. But there's a lot of content out there. Uh, DM me or tweet at me uh, anything that you see that could be changed, anything that you would like to have added. Um, each project has multiple sections. So, you know, you could share tweets, you could share updates, you could share, um, what is it? Uh, yeah, um, FAQ sections, any of those content uh, would be great to get some support from. And uh, yeah, I think that would be a good starting point. Good deal. All right. So, Contact Indigo, follow Indigo, and uh, we'll see how this this um, procession continues. Uh, it's looking good today. I'm excited to see the things um, that are going to start popping up on the site. I think it's pretty exciting what we've seen so far with just five campaigns. And the relatively short amount of time between kind of concept bounty launch. Um, I mean, Litecoin was very early to ordinals, and then you had others flesh it out. It's, it happened so quickly. So... Um, more will be revealed with all of this. It's pretty exciting stuff. Um, so we'll we'll kind of land the plan on light.space, but you've been a guest that I've wanted to have on for a while. Many people have asked to have you on. Uh, again, you're very prolific in our space, um, you know, and, and, and spaces on X and things where you really come to the defense of Litecoin and, uh, and you speak very well. So inevitably, I want to talk to you and we're going to pivot in our discussion now that we've talked about Lightspace. Uh, to some of the other ideas you promoted over the years, uh, namely Nakamotoism. Of course, it's the name of uh, the Nakamotoist magazine, NKMag. Um, so you use this language. Can you just tell us a little bit about what Nakamotoism is? 
Yeah, I derived that word from metalism. And so metalism is the economic principle that the value of money derives from the purchasing power of the digital commodity, sorry, of the commodity. Sure, yeah. Uh, so that being, you know, gold, silver, copper. Um, with Nakamotoism, you know, that's the digital commodity, which is Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Dogecoin. You know, they all run the Nakamoto protocol, or at least that's what I call in it, yep. uh, the Bitcoin protocol, but you know, it's, it's like a higher level, but um, it has the Nakamoto consensus. Mm -hmm. So Nakamoto consensus being, you know, at least 51% of the hash in power uh, for that specific algorithm. And yeah, that's basically it in a nutshell. Um, I think it's an interesting yeah. um, analogy. Um, I think it says a lot of things. Um, gold, silver, copper, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Dogecoin. Um, we, we were in an era previously in, in the world system of a gold standard. And many people in Bitcoin will say, you know, Bitcoin is digital gold, the Bitcoin standard, the gold standard. Fair enough. There is a Bitcoin standard or something like this. Uh, you, can, you can posit that. That's fine. Just as you could posit there was a gold standard. However, my argument was always, and I agree with you on this, is even though we had a gold standard, it was never gold only, ever. Um, right. You always had other, other lesser metals uh, circulating in tandem uh, to, to take care of all of the exchanges required in, in commerce, human action, and the day-to-day, -day, right? G kings were, were transacting, I imagine, in gold. Governments were, were, were transacting in gold. The people were transacting in silver or, or, or in lesser coinage right? Uh, the coppers, maybe nickels, things like that. Um, so what is the, the saying that gold is the, the currency of kings and like, uh, Litecoin and silver is the, is the currency of gentlemen. Litecoin is the currency of gentlemen. Um, so they're different. They, they have different purposes, but they work together. And I, I think that's why I like your Nakamotoist idea is there was never one, and I think just as there was never a gold standard or gold only standard, while I can get behind an idea of a Bitcoin standard, it's not going to be purely a Bitcoin standard. So I just had a little right. monologue there, but do you generally agree with that? I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, you know, with, I think it was prior to 1873, which is the Franco-Persian War, but prior to that, we were on the metal standard. Mm -hmm. uh, countries transacted with gold, silver, to one one to the other to at different ratios or different times, different degrees, um, and the ratio between it just fluctuated. It was really dependent on geophysical and geopolitical boundaries that that caused that, and also you know different shifts in times. With you know, I think it was the eighteen forty nine, the gold rush in California. In California, yeah, yeah. At that time, you know, I think. After that, soon after that, there was like almost a dozen other gold rushes, um, which led to there being a huge surplus of gold uh, in in circulation. But it was actually because of um, the reason why the gold standard actually took effect or won over silver, I guess you could say, for the period of time that it did, which was mm -hmm. maybe a century. Mm -hmm. um, it was always gold, silver, and copper. And um, the reason why it won, though, was because of geopolitical reasons um, and the industrial revolution. Um, you know, Britain at that time, they were the dominant economy in the world. You know, they had 
um, <clears throat> excuse me, mm -hmm. um, was that they had colonies around the world and everyone who wanted to do business with Britain uh, had, well, they were on a de facto gold standard. They had to use gold, basically. Mm -hmm. And the Industrial Revolution pretty much set, uh, set that in stone. Germany, too, actually. Um, but, oh, man, I haven't talked about this in a while. That's okay. Uh, you you don't have to remember all the details. No no. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's, I put you on the spot. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting in part because, like, it's what is the gold standard is what Bitcoin maxis use to say, you know, gold won over silver. But they don't actually truly understand how it won or why it won. In my opinion, they they are misrepresenting how it won, um, and they're trying to say, well, because of that, uh, this is going to happen again, which mm -hmm. is not the case. Uh, with the gold standard winning, it was it started actually with Sir Isaac Newton. From my understanding, my research, he noticed when he became the head of the mint in Britain, um, he noticed that there wasn't much gold in circulation, and he was actually tasked with um, re was it a, a recoining? I'm okay. using the wrong word uh, for all the silver. Yeah. And he knows that there wasn't enough gold. So he actually adjusted that price uh, ratio between the two. And Gresham's law takes an effect. Bad money drives out good. They overvalued gold. So mm -hmm. gold came in to Britain and it left and silver left. Mm -hmm. um, you had countries like uh, France, which was on a bimetal standard. Germany was also on a bimetal standard. I think it was the Latin, um, Latin something, uh, but it was like a lot of countries within uh, Europe that were on a bimetal bimetal standard. Uh, but with Sir Isaac Newton changing it, and um, Britain being the dominant economy at that time, um, and after the Franco-Persian War. Uh, you know, the German states, they went to a gold standard and they made France pay uh, with gold. Mm -hmm. And so that 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 pretty much effectively killed the gold standard at that time. Interesting. Yeah, the two major industrial countries, uh, you know, um, only accepting gold as payment. So what, uh, yeah, uh, Milton Freeman and a lot of others have uh, have pointed out was that you know bimetallism standard is can be successful you know they point to france and they they say that you know that it was working there for a long time uh, and even with the gold rushes that happened uh, after 1849 um the huge surplus of gold there was the the price ratio between gold and silver was relatively stable in france uh there was still silver in circulation um no one coin actually like completely pushed out the other in France and those other countries that were on a bimetallism standard. I'm doing a not doing a good justice, but of explaining it right now. But Milton Freeman does a pretty good job of talking about it. I have a link to his article at NK Mag. Um, I'll link that into. And yeah. yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And uh, there's another economist, uh, French economist, uh, John Marc Frando, butchering his name. I might have gone that wrong too, but. Uh, as well, he also talks about it, and I, he really dives into the details of how bimetallism was successful and could have been su uh, successful. Yeah, that's interesting. And again, it, it's gold and silver working together. 
Um, one of the original analogies for Litecoin was uh, it is the silver to Bitcoin's gold. That was Charlie Lee posited that, I believe. Um, yeah, and actually Milton Freeman said that, you know, he found her. Actually, let's quote him right now. I want to say this because it was actually pretty uh, good. Sorry, I'm going to look this up. Yeah, go ahead. Because uh, I don't want to butcher it because it was pretty appropriate. Um, so I'm going to read his abstract. Okay. So this is Milton Freeman. Until recently, I shared that I take to be the con conventional view of monetary economists about the relative merits of bimetallism and gold monometallism, namely that bimetallism is an unstable and unsatisfactory monetary standard involving frequent shifts between alternative monometallic standards. That monometallism is preferable and that gold monometallism is preferable to silver monometallism. In the course of doing research on US monetary history during the 19th century, I discovered, much to my surprise, that the conventional view is dubious, if not outright wrong, with, with respect to both the superiority of monometallism over bimetallism and the superiority of gold monometallism over silver monometallism. Yeah. That's a handful of words to say, but um, he says that bimetallism is better than silver monometallism, which is better than gold monometallism. Interesting. And, and interesting that silver monometallism was actually better than gold monometallism. And I imagine it's because of the inflation or perceived inflation. In other words, I, in other words, it was more available. That was the big well, uh, critique yes. in the late 1800s available. in the United States theater with William Jennings Bryan. And he said, you will not crucify me on a cross of gold. And the farmers demanding silver, 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 and the free mintage of silver. It was because they couldn't get their hands on it. And um, so interesting. That's, that's fascinating. Sorry, I cut you off. Right. No, absolutely. Like <clears throat> the... The fact of the matter is, on a gold standard, you actually have to rely on representative gold. You have to rely on a gold note. You cannot self-custody your gold because it was too valuable. And to be able to transact, to do a daily transaction required maybe a grain size piece mm -hmm. of gold. Right. You know, it just was not practical for most people to, or yeah, to be able to transact in it. So what people say about gold and silver was that silver allowed for um, divisibility that that and I hear a lot of Bitcoiners say, well, Bitcoin doesn't have that problem, but they completely missed the point, which was that it allowed people to self custody their money. And with representative money, your gold is in the bank and you are relying on a custodian uh, to not rub you basically. Yes. And they have unfortunately rugged many of these because the, the inflation and uh, just general note representations have always gone, ended very poorly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you you actually kind of uh, brought something up in my mind, a little spark. I remember there was a Vitalik Buterin um, comment on the on the Litecoin community, and I think generally it was it was favorable. And he said, "Well, you know, uh, they believe truly the Litecoin family, the Litecoiners really believe that that um, so uh, Litecoin is the silver to Bitcoin's." Gold, and he says, "Well, you could really have milli Bitcoin is the silver to Bitcoin so gold, but we'll let them go along those lines." That's actually interesting what you say because gold and silver, physical commodity, uh, elementally, right? They're equally divisible. 
you can have a lightoshification of a silver bar or a satoshification of a gold bar. They're both, you know, you can melt them and combine the whole sound money, um, kind of the attributes that, that those precious metals, namely gold and silver have. But we would have never said, you don't need silver because you can divide your gold bar into a grain, like you just said. And you could take your silver bar and take it down to a grain, but that still didn't matter. <laughs> you needed both of them uh, for practical purposes. So that actually sort of nullifies, in my view, that uh, Vitalik tweet. And I never thought of that, not tweet, his uh, statement. And I never had thought of that until you brought that up. Yeah, no, I have not heard him say that. I actually haven't older, researched him. It's an older much, clip. But... Yeah. And I think generally it's favorable about Litecoin. He didn't say it's a scam. He didn't say anything, even though he's in the Ethereum world and he left Bitcoin. But it was more like, let them have their slogan, let them have their meme. But why do we need Litecoin if you can, you know, go out to the eighth decimal place on Bitcoin? Isn't that the silver to Bitcoin's gold within Bitcoin itself? No, because your grain within the gold bar, people weren't using it. They were using silver coinage alternatives in the one ounce variety because that made more sense in daily transactions. Maybe this is a bad analogy, but but I think there's something to saying no use, regardless of durability and indivisibility or divisibility, um, you still need two separate commodities. And we have two separate commodities in Litecoin and Bitcoin as we do in silver and gold. All right. You still yeah, needed no, the it... silver ounce because the grain didn't work in certain circumstances. You can still use Litecoin because the whatever bundle of stat sats will not be working in certain circumstances. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, absolutely. And as we see, you know, the transaction cost for Bitcoin, the cost going up, um, the, the to be able to open a channel on Lightning will cost you more uh, than, <laughs> than the transactions you're going to be doing on Lightning for a lot of cases. Right. Um, so yeah, what's it? I was going to say Bitcoin, the math, you know, Bitcoin could do, well, I'm going to assume Bitcoin can do on average 4,500 4, transactions per block, mm -hmm. 144 blocks per day. Um, that's 210, roughly 210 million transactions per year. You know, what do you do after that? Um, you just commerce. So stops. I'm sorry. I'm joking. Commerce, of course, oh. just stops and all human exchanges cease until the, the available blocks <laughs> present themselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Just wait, you know, just even the mempool or increase the fee, you know, it's not practical for most people. And, you know, I guess this could go down and maybe some Litecoin is like, it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen to Litecoin as well. You know, where, you know, the on-chain fee will become very expensive, mm -hmm. um, even Dogecoin. Uh, as well. So even all three, I do believe in second layer solutions to a degree, but I also think that people should have the option to self custody. And as long as there's that option, fine, you know, second layer would definitely help. Um, what's it? I, I did the, or I did research recently. Visa does 4 trillion transactions per quarter, 16 trillion transactions per year. Um, you know, no way any of these blockchains will be able to do that without sacrificing decentralization or security of the layer one. And so, yeah, there's always going to be some type of compromise uh, there. And <clears throat> I do believe that we're going to see eventually layer twos get to the point where people will be more comfortable using it. 
better not user now, experiences. But yep. Yeah. We have a long way to uh, go. Even though we were exactly. here for more than 10 years and the user experience has dramatically improved, we have a long way to go. And then I, I personally don't know what it's going to look like in 10 years. I'm excited to, to think about it. You know, I imagine it's going to be better, um, but I can't conceive of it because it, it's not yet realized. Um, what are the shortcomings of Bitcoin only? There's just not enough supply of on-chain transactions for everyone um, to be able to self-custody if they want to self-custody. The demand, I believe, is going to be far greater than what Bitcoin can supply. And I believe that there are, in economics, there's a term called perfect substitute. Um, and Litecoin is that. Uh, even Dogecoin, uh, to be able to allow people to you know, self-custody do layer one transactions. Um, yeah, I think that's it. It's just, it's just that limitation. And if you were to compromise on that, like with Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin SV, you're giving up decentralization, you're giving up security. Um, to be able to handle those numbers of transactions on layer one, basically, you know, to run a node, I think BSV said that you could do one terabyte block, mm. you know, data center, no one's going to be able to run a node. No one's going to be able to verify uh, that transaction other than a single entity, a single data a source. Um, and so you're going to have to trust that. And that's a compromise on decentralization and security. Yeah. Um, now, people will say layer two is as well. I think a lot of like corners will say that. Um, but you're not compromising layer one when you do that. And users have the option to use it or not. So, yeah, I think um, that is the biggest shortfall for Bitcoin. How do you see Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Dogecoin working together? And does that include second layers? Yeah. It does include second layers. It could just be maybe even Bitcoin Lightning Network as the only second layer. And people are doing, um, they're called submarine swaps. So you go from layer one or cross-chain atomic swaps. Cross-chain, this is, com sorry, cross-chain submarine atomic swaps. Okay. Um, it, it's uh, a way to go from like layer one, Bitcoin, Litecoin, or Dogecoin to another layer two, be it, let's say, Bitcoin's uh, Lightning Network. Uh, and I think that um, I'm kind of I'm thinking about Andreas Antonopoulos saying, you know, if you only accept Bitcoin Lightning and I only have Litecoin, my wallet will just do an atomic swap. I send the Litecoin and you get the Bitcoin or Lightning yep. Bitcoin. Yeah. I think that that's how it will work is a wallet that integrates all of those, allowing people to do swaps seamlessly so that whoever wants what can get what they want. I feel like that was a big talking point a few years ago. I'm wondering if there's any even work towards that end right now. I don't there know. There was. There was one service, a Bolts.exchange, for a while. Okay. They were running an atomic swap between Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Uh, now they're only just doing Bitcoin and uh, liquid Bitcoin. Okay. Uh, but the software is there. And the demand, though, is just not uh, right now. And so most people will just use a custodial exchange to do the transfer, switch between one or the other, and um, go that route. 
mostly out of convenience. But that service was great. It was easy. It worked well. Um, and I like to see that back up. But I think Lightning still has a long way to go. Yeah, and I think um, with Vlad Kostea, he kind of came on and he, he differentiated between maximalists, which he is a self-described maximalist, yet he, he uh, is very much a supporter of Litecoin and he uses Litecoin. He bought a, like a Trezor wallet that same day of the episode with, with Litecoin. Um, but he, he's criticizing some of the stronger voices right now in Bitcoin that want to ossify it and, and really kind of uh, set it in stone, you know, harden it, don't, don't develop it or add these things that you're discussing on it. So I don't think those people, uh, unfortunately, they're not going to be relied on to bring us to the future that we need, but thankfully others will. And uh, my old school kind of uh, thing was Bitcoiners and Litecoiners and we'll add Dogecoiners holding hands working together um, because we need everybody. Um, so that, so that's interesting. Um, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Dogecoin, gold, silver, copper, custody with first layers, uh, with using Litecoin and Dogecoin. And then perhaps as the world, if, if we're going to have a world, um, where we're using this as a standard, as an economic system, again, no one's dictated that yet. <laughs> and the market hasn't demanded it yet. Um, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll go along that line of a, of a, you know, that's the thesis here, then yeah, even Litecoin will get crowded and, and uh, Dogecoin and we'll, yeah. we'll need second layers and, and things like that. Um, and, and God willing, it'll be in a, in a situation where we can still use on-chain for certain things and we'll, we'll concede some of that um, custodial um, or how do I say, self-custody. Non-custodial. Non-custodial, oh, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll give up a little bit of maybe some aspect of, of custody uh, to some of those layers for practical purposes. But um, we'll see. We definitely are not there now. We can custody all of our Litecoin and we, we encourage it. But we'll see what the future looks like because obviously even as much as we love Litecoin, there are limits. Now, MWeb does allow scaling. That's another advantage for, for Litecoin um, that Bitcoin doesn't have. But anyway, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I think what we should do is going to the, well, um, go ahead, I'll let you, go ahead and then I'll-, I'll Touch a little bit on MWeb. It, it does have a block limit. I believe it's, I think David Burkett mentioned it was 20 megabytes. And so there is still a, that constant limit for transactions uh, or throughput, I guess you could say. Um, and in terms of scalability, I think that with, well, what we're seeing with Dogecoin, you know, they're seeing, so many dust, uh, so many transactions happening on there. I think because of DRC twenty, and they do one megabyte per block every minute, and so they've with these um, Dogenals have seen their chain double in size in like a month or two in a short period of time, which makes increases the burden on the node runners, but also the network itself because to propagate all that data through the network, uh, it's yeah, it just takes time. Um, and so there can be instances where nodes are just not fully up to date with one another. They are, or there could be, um, yeah, there are forks basically uh, within those, uh, those uh, within that network. Uh, there are ways to help that, but with Nimblewimble though, it does prune those transaction data. Mm -hmm. And so we don't see that, we will not see that same size increase 
um, of the Litecoin blockchain because of Mimble Wimble transactions, even if it were 20 megabytes per block, because over time it just eventually prunes. So in terms of scaling, I believe, or correct me if I'm wrong, but that's how I understand it, mm -hmm. is that it allows people, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't compromise on people's ability to run a node. And so in scaling the node network, that's where it doesn't, it allows for that. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, you can prune. Um, I just know that MWeb as it is, there's capacity for it to, I want to say 40X, but that, that could be wrong. And I don't want to, I don't want to speak incorrectly, but I know it's current, it's currently configured the way it is, but it can actually scale much greater, I believe, um, if developers and, 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 we wanted to or needed to go that path, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, so we talked about, this is before we'll go to the the questions, um, but I did have one last one here. We talked about the critique against uh, Bitcoin maximalism, uh, more for a Nakamotoism. So would you be consistent to maybe um, also argue against a Litecoin maximalist or a Dogecoin maximalist? Uh, yeah, for the same reasons. Um... It, layer one does not scale to allow everyone to transact on it. And so we're going to need another layer, in my opinion, uh, to be able to handle those transactions. You know, earlier we mentioned, you know, I'm going to go dive in, deep into it, but Visa alone, 16 trillion transactions per year. And then there's Amex, MasterCard, uh, Discover Card. And there's only well, only, but 1.25 billion adults have a credit card. And there's 5 billion adults. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of transactions that aren't happening um, on uh, in a digital way or through these payment processors. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. Very good. Well, I'm glad we got to talk about Nakamotoism. Um, I think you're one of the few people kind of talking along those lines. I do as well. Um, but uh, I think there's something here. And um, I know others in our community have kind of gotten behind this idea too, um, that it's it's not a, a a single solution. It's it's multiple chains, and and the the nice thing is about the Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Dogecoin, uh, the Nakamoto protocols or the consensus is yeah they, they're they're principally the same. Uh, they're proof of work, um, and I think that's that's. Um, extremely important and unfortunately it's been under attack in in some ways but um, we won't go into that now let's go into the uh the questions for indigo so on x we did get a few questions um so we're going to go ahead and ask them i don't know it's not an ask me anything i guess it's an a aia ask indigo anything um so i'll go ahead and, and do that now so the first question is from jacked rabbits ltc nfts uh, this was two days ago and he said what is the use case for Doge in the Nakamoto standard? Um, in other words, Litecoin fees are already low. So what does Doge uniquely bring to the table? Yeah, we touched on this and it's for the same reasons. Um, you know, the fees for Litecoin, well, Bitcoin fees for a long time were low as well. And they got more expensive as the network got used. It will I believe it will happen that it, with Litecoin. Uh, where the fees will get expensive and even yeah so i with dogecoin uh the same thing um it just it it just really does allow more people to be able to self-custody or have that option even though i do believe most people will not self-custody 
Mm. I think that's fine. Um, there might be ways to allow them to reduce that risk. So it's not like one custodian, but maybe multiple custodians in a decentralized way uh, or that or validators or something like the Lakewood network, which has those federated members all deciding, all working together to make sure that they're in consensus. Um, so yeah, I just thinking further down into the future, those fees, I believe, for Litecoin will get expensive. And actually, interestingly enough, I do believe, like, if we do go down the standard, uh, that the fees between Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Dogecoin will all equal one another. They'll be the same fee. And I think, yeah, uh, I think that once we get to that point, you know, it's um, that's where the price ratio between them will settle. But hmm. uh, oh, I ranted a little bit, but yeah, I, I digress. That's good. That's almost like Bitcoin, Litecoin, and and Dogecoin be being surface representation surface representations of an underlying Nakamoto coin structure, <laughs> where they're all functioning the same way, even though they're three different chains. But it's really almost like a like an uh, again the the realizations of an underlying rule. Um, so that's interesting. Um, so the next question is from Shaq Doge, um, Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, what should Doge do about the high dust situation? Can they do anything about it? A permissionless network? I don't know. Um, so the high dust, I believe he's referring to all the Dogenals, the DRC20 tokens being minted and inscribed on Dogecoin, um, which is bloating and causing their network, their, their, their blockchain, to, blockchain size to increase. Um, yeah, I don't think there is anything you can do about it as a user. It's a permissionless network. Uh, I would, if I'm wrong, that'd be interesting to hear what explanations people say mm. uh, or arguments they have. Um, but I think as an individual user, you could, well, no, they don't have SegWit. You can't prune that data. I don't, uh, have con I don't have context yeah. for these, the concern for dust. Maybe it's the idea that, no, it, you know, these are lost forever, but you're having an infinitely inflationary coinage with Doge as well. Granted, that becomes negligible over time, but it's almost like maybe, you know, these the, the Doge dust is just lost forever. I, I'm not sure. No, I do think he's talking about the data and the size of the blockchain. Okay. Uh, for Dogecoin. So it's what, one megabyte per block for Dogecoin, a block every minute. So 1,440 uh, megabytes per day. Um, was that that's over one point, that's like 1.4 gigabytes a day, right? So, I mean, these were upper known limits of Dogecoin, Litecoin and Bitcoin, um, the block size. And if you were to expect a full block, um, that's how fast the network can grow uh, for each of these. So there are known limits. Mm. I think mostly people are just, the people just don't like that what people are doing with these tokens on Dogecoin. And um, I, yeah, maybe I think the miners could increase the base fee, but that's going to be the same across the board. So if you're going to do a regular Dogecoin transaction, um, you'll also have to pay that same high fee. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think maybe that's the only thing they could do is just increase the base fee. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. There, there's your uh, answer. Maybe. A... <laughs> Did you want to say anything more on that? If not, we'll move on to the next one. Yeah, no, that's, that's about it for that. Satisfying enough. Uh, the other one was more of a thing you've already settled. It's Jason, um, Clash Daddy 69 says, how do we get a GUI or graphic user inter interface over core? But I agree we already have one. It may be primitive, but right. it's graphical. Right. No, it is a, G is it, it is a graphic user interface. Indeed, um, it is. <laughs> I wonder if he's wondering, like, maybe, I haven't actually explored other types of wallets. Um, that may interact with the node, but I think that there are mm -hmm. uh, that do allow that. So you could have a different interface, but that can connect to your node. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I have not looked into that, to be honest. Okay. Well, Jason, uh, you might not like the GUI, but it's there. <laughs> it is there. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this one's from Shan. This came in earlier today. Um, if you indigo, um, were to give a presentation at the Litecoin Summit in July, what would you give a presentation on? And do you plan to attend? Ah, I haven't thought about this. Um, what would I give a presentation on? I mean, everything, it'd be interesting to talk about Nakamotoism, the Nakamoto standard. Uh, that's kind of been my bread and butter for the most part. Uh, in, within these spaces and what I, my bread and butter, but I'm, what I really like to talk about. Um, obviously, light.space could be another option um, or both, but yeah, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I'll leave it at that. Maybe, Shan, maybe we see Indigo speak this uh, this summer. Uh, we'll, we'll all watch him. <laughs> that would yeah, be, that would mean, be good. So you, Sorry, do you plan but, to go? I do plan to go. But I'm, you know, I'm still an anonymous person and my face out there um, being up on stage publicly. I don't know if I want that yet. Well, but, you could always uh, get a space suit. <laughs> yeah. <hey. laughs> That's an idea. <laughs> That's an idea. Um, maybe we go. should start a bounty for that because I think, oh, we'll see. For a helmet. <laughs> Give me a space helmet. Maybe for, I'll do it. The funding for a, a NASA, you know. Full head to toe for you uh, to show up to the summit. Sorry, I'm I'm amusing myself here. Um, that would be great to see you at the summit, and I hope to be there myself. So, I think we'd all be pleased to to see you with or without a spacesuit. Um, so, John as actually he was our last guest on the show. John as uh, John as underscore LTC. He says, "What about the crypto space? Do you uh, Indigo find most challenging or frustrating?" And then I've got two more points after you answer that one. What do I find the most challenging? I feel like there's been a lot of misinformation out there, uh, a lot of propaganda because people are really interested or they, yeah, they have their preference, their team uh, that they want to support. And I think that has been the most challenging uh, to kind of get through and have to deal with. Um, yeah. If you had 10 Litecoin to contribute to bounties, how would you choose the recipients? This is you as a person, not speaking principles, projections, what other people are doing. This is you. What are you interested in? Oh, um, what would I put the money towards? Uh, Nimblewimble. I would love to see, I think all of us would love to see a Nimblewimble 
wallet out there, a light client, so that we could easily send and transact with one another. Um, that's what I would put it to. Absolutely, yeah. And web. Uh, it is coming. Um, not quite there yet, but it's coming. So we look forward to that. Where do you see ordinals in five years? And what use cases uh, has the public not considered yet, I guess, in regards to ordinals? And what excites you the most? He gave you, I'm just going to have John as write the show out and then, we'll just, you know, it'll be good. Yeah, John is a really smart guy. Very, you know, happy to have them and listen to him talk all the time. Um, let's see. Uh, with ordinals, I don't know. Um, I do think that, you know, being able to inscribe data could be contracts, um, use cases, uh, I would see being pretty, pretty big use case in the future. Um, art, obviously, uh, and I would think, I think that it's going to start taking shape within um, more business as a service, or no, uh, more towards catering towards businesses and individuals and contracts. I think that that uh, there's a lot of potential there. Um, but really, I don't know. It's I'm just kind of taking this as things come, and seeing where it goes because you know things shift all the time. What excites you the most about ordinals? Um, I do like the fact that anyone can put data in a permissionless way onto the blockchain. To me, it's very much like you know freedom of speech. Uh, and so it gives that platform for people uh, to be able to publish documents uh, that, you know, in a way that cannot be taken down or censored. I think that that is something that, that that's definitely something that excites me the most about Ornals and what it provides this space is permissionless decentralized talk, basically. Speech, excuse me. Yeah, speech. Code is speech. Um, I get to add a question here. Um, you tweeted recently that, quote, four LTC will be worth one BTC. Of course, this alludes to ratios here and code. But what's your rationale behind that? <laughs> uh, just the supply ratio um, on that one. But I think we touched, I touched on it earlier. It's, I don't know if that will be the case. Um, the supply ratio. I honestly think it's going to be more about the the fee between the two. Um, and once that fee hits an equilibrium where they're the same, that will dictate the final price between Bitcoin and Litecoin. Um, but yeah, that's more of a meme <laughs> than anything. But yeah, well, it's, tongue in cheek. It's per code. I have to bring up these. Uh... Extremely important tweets, uh, so no problem. Thanks for answering that. Thanks for answering all these questions. And uh, to our listeners and viewers, thank you for submitting them. We do appreciate it. Um, again, this is the 84 Million Podcast, and you can find us on 84million.com slash podcast. You can see where you can subscribe, and they have the recent videos there as well. If you go to our YouTube channel, which is also linked in, I did recently create a... Um, playlist with just the podcasts that should be in order. So you should be able to stream, uh, stream them without having to like click next episode or whatever. So hopefully that helps. Um, but I wanted to thank you Indigo for coming on the show. I think it's tremendous. Um, we're about where we normally stop the show now. 
Uh, we covered a lot of ground. We talked about light.space, the new era of Litecoin crowd, crowdfunding. So, of course, um, everybody needs to check out light.space and follow that account on X. Um, we talked about Nakamotoism, the uh, silver to Bitcoin's gold, um, gold, silver, copper, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Dogecoin, all of this. And I look forward to having you further hash out these details. I think if you were at the um, Litecoin Summit and you had a, a, a presentation on this and breaking down the numbers and everything else, I'd certainly be interested in listening uh, to that uh, talk. So anyway, I just want to really thank you for coming on the show. I know life is busy. Um, you've been in multiple time zones. You've been traveling. Um, you know, I just appreciate your time here and I know everybody else does too. So before we go, do you have any final thoughts that you wanted to uh, end with today? No, um, thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's been fun being on this uh, as well. It has been a long time coming. Um, but yeah, please check out light.space. Um, there's a lot of cool projects on there. Uh, if there's anything that you want to see uh, added or added onto Litecoin, um, definitely apply for that project. And um, yeah, no, that's about it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. And again, thank you for listening to the 84 Million Podcast. 